Welcome to the Decide Your Legacy podcast, helping individuals and businesses unleash their potential. Join us every episode as host Adam Gregg discusses what is holding us back and how to find hope for moving forward. Along the way, we discuss developing healthy relationships and navigating life transitions while overcoming fear, stress, and anxiety. Live the life you want, the legacy you decide. Welcome to the Decide Your Legacy podcast. I'm your host, Adam Gragg. And if you haven't already done so and you found this podcast helpful, please pull out your phone, take you 15 to 30 seconds, give us a like, a rating and review on Apple or Spotify or wherever you get your podcast content. So I get questions frequently about how to be more happy in my life. In fact, at the very beginning of any coaching session, usually the first or second session, I ask them, what do they want? In fact, really right when I meet them, what do they want? And peace, serenity, contentment, joy, getting more out of life. I work with a lot of people who are very financially, professionally successful, yet they're unhappy, they're unsatisfied. I call that Facebook happiness. You know, you look at people's Facebook profiles or you look at their posts over the summer, which I do that. I post things and I posted trips that I went on this summer and everything, but you only see the side that's showing the happy person, the fun family times, the good, enjoyable things. And that comparison trap can absolutely make us miserable. In fact, we will. That's one of the one of the main things that causes misery in our lives is comparing ourselves to other people. We don't have to do that. I in 2016, was sitting on a beach in Maui, Nepali, and I was absolutely miserable. I couldn't take in and enjoy the time. I did it to get away. I had just gone through a horrific situation in my life. I was trying to recover, but I was miserable. I was absolutely miserable. And I go and I reference that as thinking, what is this about happiness that I was missing in that situation? I often get surprised by how I'm happy It's not something I can control, but wow, I feel great. I feel happy. And I'm going to talk to you today about the actions that I truly believe as I do them consistently. And consistency is key with any of these tips, any of these happiness tips. If I do them consistently, they make me happier, a happier person, a more productive person, someone with joy, someone that wants to get up in the morning. As I do in every episode, I want to share some risks that I've recently taken. So one thing I did is I went and took my daughter to visit the University of Colorado at Boulder last over the the Labor Day weekend. And so I called a buddy, or actually I emailed a buddy who I had not seen in over 20 years who lives in Denver and asked him if we can get together. His name is Jeff. Uh, And he was busy. So he was gonna be out of town and had other commitments and everything. So we did not, and we're not able to get together. I actually called a college buddy who I haven't seen in over 20 years either, believe it or not, and asked him, because he lives in Denver, if he could get together. And he told me he was gonna be out of town and he wasn't available as well. So, and that his name is Chris. Both of those situations were risks. They didn't turn out the way I wanted them to, but I actually felt energized afterwards because I did it. I reached out and it started some dialogue and it started some opportunities to connect in the future, which I'm going to probably hopefully be doing some business in Colorado in the next few months and potentially do some business. I mean, be skiing in the next, well, five months in Colorado and hopefully we'll hook up then. And it was a great risk to actually take. So another thing I did is that I tried something new. I've gotten a lot of feedback when I do trainings that when I bring somebody up, when someone volunteers to come up front in front of the audience and actually walk through the tools, the coaching tools that I give clients and so they can see in action with a real issue that 
Those are the parts of the trainings that people love the most. And so I had a speaking event, actually two speaking events over the last 10 days. And I decided that I was going to take a risk and do more of that. And in one situation, I feel like it went on a scale one to 10, probably a six. I think it was a really helpful training for people and the feedback was good. But I was working at this skill of having people up front while we go through an issue, like I'm in a session behind closed doors in front of people. And in the second time I did it, which was yesterday, it actually went a lot smoother and it was really positive. And again, in both of those situations, those were the parts of the trainings of the workshops that people appreciated and loved the most, because that's where they could really see in action. And so I took a risk, tried something new. If you don't know, I'm Adam Gregg. I'm a legacy coach. I'm a speaker, obviously a podcaster, mental health professional for almost 25 years. I started in 98, actually, and my life purpose is helping people and organizations find transformational clarity, the kind of clarity that propels them forward to face their biggest fears and to live and leave their chosen legacy. To live without regrets, not to live the life someone else wants for them, but to live the life that they want. I also talk about stuff that you could describe to your six-year-old child and they can grasp the concept. So the last episode was on some secret communication skills. Last podcast episode, I talked about not giving away your power. You could talk to your six-year-old about that. So if they're really frustrated about another kid in school or about some kind of thing in class with a test or whatever, you can explain to them that when they get all riled up about it, they're actually giving away their ability to take action and being consumed by something. They're giving away their power to another person or situation. I also discuss topics that I struggle with myself. I'm a fellow traveler with you. I do these podcasts not only for you, but for myself. I listen to them for myself. They remind me of what I need to do. I struggle with happiness not something that I have all figured out. So really important topic. Why is it important to work on your happiness? Well, because you're going to be more productive. It's costly to stay miserable. I often ask clients the question, you know, what does it cost you to continue thinking this way? Or what does it cost you to not change? Or what does it cost you to stay miserable? And then they'll rattle some things off. And generally the cost is pretty great. And statistically, and these are all pre-COVID statistics from the National Institute of Mental Health, Pre-COVID, 2018, so I, as we look at new data, they're significantly worse now than these I'm presenting to you right now, but nearly 20% of U.S. adults struggle with a mental illness each year, annually, nearly 20%, so one-fifth of every adult in the U.S. 20% of U.S. adults with a mental illness also have a substance abuse disorder, so they're abusing prescription drugs, abusing illegal drugs, something, some kind of substance, they're abusing alcohol, um, could be a variety of things there. Suicide is the 10th leading. It's actually the ninth or 10th leading cause of death. I think we're kind of waiting on those statistics in the U.S. currently. Overall, suicide rates in the U.S. have increased by 31% since 2001. Since 2001. Man, you know, that's, that, to me, it's not a long time, not that long ago. So in over 40, only 40% of those with a mental a mental struggle, mental illness actually gets some kind of help. And, you know, for me, I generally always have a coach or a counselor. If you look at my life over the last 10 years, I've had more times than not when I've had a paid hired coach or a paid hired mental health professional that I'm visiting with. And because I believe in this stuff, it helps me to get that neutral third party perspective. But less than half actually I get help for things. I mean, I struggle with anxiety. I struggle with, at times I've had some depression. At times 
I've had some trauma and still do have some trauma from my past that I worked through. If you found this podcast helpful and you want some help and you want to figure out what are some tools that I can do, some things I can do to change and improve my mental health and improve my happiness, some basic things, I want you to subscribe to the link, Shatterproof Yourself. It's a mental health stress checklist. There's 27 items. You won't want to miss that. You're going to get 50 life. You're going to get 50 excellent relationship building questions and some of my favorite life balance tips in an ebook form as well. So let's go ahead and jump right into the content. Some of this, some of these six happiness tricks are going to surprise you. One of my best friends, he lived in the Congo, in the Democratic Republic of the Congo for 14 years as a pilot. And we would Skype. Yeah, we would actually Skype 14 years ago when he moved there. Uh, it wasn't extremely reliable, but he would tell me at times that he felt like the people over there were happier than those in the U.S. And I would listen to him and kind of ask him why. And he would say, well, they don't worry about things. And he'd say things like they have fun and they spend time with their families. And, you know, I... I don't know exactly if it's really true, but I would believe there's a lot of accuracy to what he was saying. If we can work on our happiness, we can basically want to get out of bed in the morning and get out of bed with some excitement and some energy. So the first thing is to focus, focus. I mean, and that's hard. Focus on what you're doing, but focus on a vision, on a clear vision for your life. An activity I have clients do often is to think about in one part of their life how they would like it to be in a couple of years. So career is often, since I do a lot of career coaching, so I'll have them think in your life, if what's your level of confidence in your career right now on a scale of one to 10? And they'll say something like, well, it's a five or it's a six or it's a seven or whatever. Well, if it was a 10, imagine if it was a 10 and imagine how you would feel if it was a 10. And I'll have them close their eyes and I'll have them focus on their breathing. Just imagine and think and answer these questions. You know, how would you act differently around other people? What things would you start doing that you're not doing now? What things would you stop doing that you are doing now? How, what kind of risks would you take? Would you be taking at that time? What kind of goals would you be moving towards at that time? If your confidence was at that level at a 10. And so I have them absorb that vision and try and focus on it consistently. So when they wake up in the morning to have things that remind them of that vision, I'll have people create vision boards sometimes. Let's get a bunch of magazines and have them cut out pictures that represent that vision of their life in that area two years from now, or that vision of their life in that area. You know, it could be five years from now. I like the two-year, one-year timeframe. I think it's easier for people to grasp and you can get a lot done in a year. People greatly underestimate what they can get done in a year and overestimate what they can get done in a week. Greatly underestimate what they can get done in a year though. You can practice the focus thing too by just being present in the here and now. Our brains are so distracted with social media and other things and we're talking to people sometimes and we're already formulating what we're gonna actually say before we actually hear what they do say and what they did say. But have it, try practicing having a conversation where you look at people, not in a weird way, not stare, but you're looking and focusing and zoning in and asking clarifying questions. It's gonna start helping you practice using that focus muscle, which meditation helps with that as well. So the first thing that helps me with happiness is to focus, focus on that vision, focus on what I'm doing in the moment, focus on what I'm engaging in at that time. If I'm working out, I'm working out. If I'm eating, I'm eating. If I'm watching a TV program, I'm watching a TV program. I'm not thinking about my next day. I'm not thinking about what I did wrong. I'm focusing. So second thing is enjoy the journey. Enjoy the ride. It's the ride that makes us happy, not the destination. 
A lot of people will say, well, I'll be happier when I have more money or when I'm married or when I have another kid or when I have a new job or when my house is paid for or when I go on that vacation or when I get that career that I would love. And some of those things could make you happier because you might have a misalignment in career and you might need to make some changes and adjust. But ultimately, happiness is not gonna come from the external. You can't solve any external problem with an external solution. It's always an internal solution. So it's a mindset of saying that I'm gonna enjoy this journey right now as I go through the process. So people will often say, well, I enjoyed medical school so much more than being a doctor, or I enjoyed getting my degree in accounting more than I actually enjoy being an accountant because I had so many friends and we focused and worked together and there was a process. Well, we can enjoy both because it's always a journey. You're just on a journey to a new place after you get that first accounting job. You're on a journey to a new place after you actually finish your residency. Enjoy the journey. Do more of what makes you happy in the process while you're on that journey. So the process and the anticipation and the planning is often what we get really excited about when it comes to a vacation, when it comes to planning a hobby, when it comes to planning time with your friends, that's a part of the journey. So we start shifting our mindset to saying, my journey I'm gonna actually enjoy in the process. And the process is what's really gonna make me happy and focusing on the process and being 100% in the process. For me, enjoying the journey was when my friends couldn't actually do anything in Denver when I was going through Denver, it was still part of the process. So I took the risk, I reached out and I enjoyed the journey because I did make these new, I revitalized some connections with Jeff and with Chris and that's cool. And that's gonna lead to more interactions down the road. So number three, number three trick, secret for being happy, do the hard do the hard. One of my core values is live with courage. Do the hard. Do the hardest thing the first, right when you get up in the morning. That's, if you have a hard conversation to have, if you have a phone call, if you have a task, you have a conflict you need to resolve, if there's some project that you've been procrastinating on, we'll do that first thing in the morning. And it's prior to prioritization. So I encourage you on Sunday nights to schedule your week out the night before your day the next day to have your top three, four priorities and do the hardest one first. And if you're gonna, if that's gonna, tr if that's gonna cause a great deal of anxiety by doing that hardest thing first, well, I have some very practical things that you can actually engage in. And so think of the acronym TIPS, okay? And it's T-I-P-P-S, so TIPS. So one of them is tip the temperature. So taking a cold shower biologically does something to you. It actually activates when we're anxious, we're activating our sympathetic nervous system. When we are, and we believe we're underwater, our parasympathetic nervous system is actually activated. So we start calming down. I mean, it's it sucks to actually be in a cold shower. I mean, I take cold showers because I know they're good for me, but notice how you feel when you get out of the cold shower. You're gonna feel relaxed because it's naturally biologically gonna activate your parasympathetic nervous system and get out of that part of your brain that's the lizard brain. So paced breathing can be very helpful. So about 10, eight to 10 breaths a minute, and your inhale should be shorter than your exhale. Try that. Paired muscle relaxation is where you tense a muscle group, like you tense your fists, and then you release it. That can help you to relax. It can help you go from sympathetic to parasympathetic. And for those of you who haven't listened to me before, sympathetic is fight or flight. Parasympathetic is when your nervous system is in rest and digest. Intense exercise, you know, even for 10 minutes, you do push-ups. You know, sometimes in my office, I'll do push-ups until I can't stop. I'll try not to work up a sweat if I have a client, but you end up working up a sweat. Or I'll do crunches until I can't stop. I'll do 
some jumping jacks until I can't stop. I'll do some intense exercise when I'm anxious and it helps me greatly. And so doing the hard, if the hard's going to make you anxious, those are some practical things you can actually do. Get those things crossed off your list. So I've consistently throughout my career seen clients come back and say, and I'll ask them, you know, what progress have you made? And the ones that have made progress on 80% of their goals between coaching sessions are coming in with some excitement generally and coming in some with some energy. Do I really, do I, do I really need to get this done or can I get something else done? That prioritization is crucial though, because we can get distracted and be using all kinds of things on our to-do list to keep us from doing the most essential tasks. So the good is the enemy of the best. The good is the enemy. Do the best, most difficult tasks first, take action, do the hard, Keep consistently doing the hard and it's going to make you happy. It's going to make you happier or put you in a position where you have opportunities to be happier because we can't control it, as I said. So number four is reframing, reframing the negative into a positive. So just today, I mean, I was talking to a client about my divorce. Well, he went through a divorce and I we were just talking about some of the hard things in our lives and how we've been able to reframe them. And I've told him this, that although I never wanted a divorce, I don't wish it on anybody. It's not a good thing to go through. I still grieve it. I can honestly tell you that a benefit that's come out of it is some quality time with my daughter that I most likely would not have had because we've gotten a lot of one-on-one time and a connection that has formed because of that quality time. And so I can reframe this negative thing into a positive and see the benefit or you lose your job, you don't get the job. So recently I had a client come in and tell me that the contract for her company is, it's a government contract and 70% of the revenue comes from this one contract that that's not gonna actually be renewed. So she was telling me like, oh my gosh, I'm, a, I'm in the leadership position here. I don't know what's gonna happen to me. We only have 30% of our revenue starting in 2023 coming in unless we get something to replace that 70%. So he she was thinking about her career and the situation and I gotta start really thinking about and re- honestly wasn't really happy in her career. And so this was a very motivating factor. So that's reframing seeing this negative situation as one that can be turned into something that's positive in your life. When the fear gets strongest in my life and the resistance gets strongest in my life, that's when I'm closest to a breakthrough. Let me say that again. When the fear gets strongest in my life towards something that I know and want and the resistance gets the most intense, that's when I know I'm closest to a breakthrough. That's when I know on the other side, I'm getting close to the other side. And there's a link in this podcast to some articles on how to change negative core beliefs and a worksheet you can use as well, because we have these deeply set negative core beliefs that we can reframe into something that is positive and see it as an asset that we've gone through that difficult thing or see it as an asset that we struggle with this negativity because your brain's just doing its job by trying to keep you safe by seeing all the things that could go wrong. It's just doing its job, but you can take the action and do the work to reframe it in such a way that this is an opportunity that I'm excited about. I even had a client once say about his dad, who he really didn't know because his dad had left when he was about six years old, that he started reframing it with, my dad did the best that he could. My dad did the best that he could, and I noticed a significant change because then he found out in the process that his dad had gone through some significant abandonment and trauma in his life that was helping him to understand why his father was acting and did act the way that he did. I want to talk to you guys about escape artist travel. You know, I talk a lot about taking risks, 
getting out of your comfort zone, getting in your discomfort zone. And travel can be one of those things. These people are amazing. I will tell you, they've planned three different locations for me over the last really eight months. So they know what they're doing. Over 87 different countries. I believe they plan trips for probably close to 100. Conde Nast travel, top travel specialist, two years in a row, full service travel agency. They will take care of it. They will take care of you. They know what they're doing. You can reach them at escapeartisttravel.com. Check them out. So number five happiness trick is to not give away your power again. So maintain boundaries. Maintain boundaries with people in your life that are toxic and maintain boundaries with yourself from toxic things and do that in a consistent on a consistent basis. So recently I had a client and he was telling me that he started establishing some boundaries with his dad. And he's in his mid twenties and said that, well, dad made a comment and I didn't feel like it was accurate. And I stood up for myself and I'm thinking, good for you. You know, like, that's great. That's what I want you to do. I want you to have, and sometimes I'll encourage clients to have scripts with family and friends because they know these kind of interactions are going to happen where they have to stand up and we can rehearse and role play that in session. So they're prepared for those things that they know they're going to end up facing. And so the reaction from his dad was not good. He had a big old blow up fight kind of thing. And he lives with his dad. So he was put in a situation where he felt like, I don't know if I can continually live here. And then some accusations were made about him being selfish, the client by his dad and not helping and, you know, not going to end up being a success and that he always gives up on things and that he's not productive with his life and all kinds of things. But I have a feeling that in that state, his dad was in a sympathetic state, was feeling threatened and was saying things that he actually didn't believe but was being defensive. My client did, I'd say, a decent job of maintaining his boundaries. So was calm, kept repeating that he didn't feel like it was accurate what his dad was saying, and got in his car, went on a drive, practiced some of these tips, skills that I had mentioned to you, did things that were going to calm his central nervous system down, but actually came into my office second-guessing himself, thinking, hmm, maybe some of these things my dad said was true. And I said to him, well, are they true? And he was able to identify that, yeah, there's probably little elements of truth to maybe a few of them, but overall, no, they're not true. I mean, and so then don't believe him. Don't let him sink in. Don't give your power then to your dad. If he's saying things out of defensiveness and his own issues, don't give your power away by letting that sink in. Let's reframe that. Let's actually reframe it as it's your dad's issue that he needs to work through, not yours. And I could see my client get energized by that. I could see him start to see that, you know, I'm taking on something that's not mine to carry, that I don't have to take this burden on and blame myself. And I can maintain my boundaries with these people in my life who I know love me oftentimes, but some of the interactions are toxic or with friends who may be not the best friends for us. And we have to end the relationship, but we maintain those boundaries and we stick to our guns. The sixth thing when it comes to being happy is connection. But you're not surprised to hear that, but connecting with others. And I read some research recently in a book. It's called From Strength to Strength, I believe. It was an excellent read. And it talked about just making the most of the last half of your life. And one of the statistics, and it may have been another book that I read, but I believe it was from this book, was that the people that are the happiest in their aging years, that one consistent is that they have one non-familial, not their son, not their daughter, not their spouse, not their wife, not their husband, intimate relationship with the same sex. 
So they have one close, intimate friendship. And we're not talking sexual intimacy, obviously. It's that they're open with them. They share problems, concerns. But they have that one friend makes a humongous difference as we age. And it makes a huge difference as we're younger, too. But to have that is crucial. And connecting with others, like... I've shared with you my situation where I had to ended up in the hospital with because I hadn't slept for five days. Well, you know, my my buddies, you know, Brent and Dave were with me the whole time. I saw and realized at that moment how close those friendships really are. And the trust level increased significantly. And I've mentioned before my buddy Ben, who had a stroke that I've gone out to see. He lives in my hometown in my area in Northern California. And just recently he and his wife I was talking to over the Bluetooth in their car. And he was talking about his week and I was talking about my week. And I shared something that was hard. I shared, you know, well, I made a decision that a couple of my long-term close friends didn't really agree with, but I felt like was the right decision for me. And I haven't heard from them since. And I don't know why I haven't heard from them. It could be just because they're busy or whatever. But my hunch is that they've distanced themselves, some from me, because they didn't agree with the decision that I made. And I believe the decision was the right decision. I'm not second guessing that whatsoever. But as I shared that with Ben, he his response to that was like, you know, Adam, you're a courageous person and you're loved and you did the right thing. And, you know, just know we love you and we support you and we're here for you. And it was really cool to see that because Ben's been in a situation where he's had to accept help. And like I said, you know, he was this extraordinarily healthy kind of person same age as me, I went to high school with him and then had this massive stroke that he's had to recover from that has been very difficult in the process of recovery. And he's learning how to talk again. He's learning how to walk again. He's learning how to do a lot of things that were easy and second nature again, but him helping me and he was legitimately helping me, but I could tell and sense that that was helping him. He was seeing, you know, I'm the same Ben who can help people and can encourage Adam, which he has encouraged me since fifth grade on many occasions. And him knowing that he can continually do that um, is awesome. In fact, he encouraged me on the way here telling me I got to set my lineup for my fantasy football league team. So anyway, thanks, Ben, for that. But connecting with others is crucial. So let's go ahead and review these things again. Happiness tips. Focus on a vision. Create a vision board. Focus on that vision and focus. Enjoy the journey. Don't focus on the destination. Enjoy the journey. But you focus on the destination too, but don't put most of your energy there. Put about 20% in the destination. Do the hard, do the hard, live with courage, reframe the negative into the positive. And that can also be through gratitude, which I highly recommend you practice. Maintain boundaries and boundaries with yourself are like, I know I want to eat healthy. I know I want to get up earlier. I know I want to go and talk to my family more. And then you maintain that boundary by actually following through. Or I know I want to be more consistent as a parent. Maintain boundaries, connect with others. And it's never too late. You're never going to be younger than you are today, there's always opportunities. I mean, and I literally mean that word always legitimately. There's opportunities to build connections around you if you open up to them and if you don't let the negativity overtake you and convince you that you can't build any other relationships with other people. So that's what I got for you today. I want you, as I do every session and every podcast, what insight did you gain that you wanted to ta- that you want to take away from today? Change is 30% insight. Okay, that sticks. I want to make that change. And then it's 80%, 70% action. Okay, it's more important you take that action. So make a decision today to take an action in your life in the next few days based on whatever it is that you gained insight in today. If 
you found this podcast helpful, give you a like. Again, Spotify, Apple, link to Shatterproof Yourself, Mental Health Stress Checklist. You get 27 items there. It can really transform your life. It gets some insight into your life and things you want to change to be happier, to deal with stress better. Life Balance Tips ebook and also the 50 great relationship building questions. Oh yeah, and by the way, if you want me to speak to your team, been doing that a lot more over Zoom and also live locally here in my in my home state of Wichita, Kansas. I'd love to come out, have someone on my team come out and speak to your team as well on the topic of uh, mental health, coaching topics, team building, communication skills, all of that. So make it your mission today to live the net life now that you wanna be remembered for 10 years after you're gone. You decide your legacy. You decide your future. No one else. I appreciate you greatly, and I'll see you next time. This show is part of the ICT Podcast Network. For more information, visit ictpod.net.